this journey that we've been on here has been really incredible. I don't know about you, uh, but I've watched and I've seen so many amazing stories. I've seen so much life change. I get a lot of messages. I've got a chance to hang out with some amazing people at the Buy a Tree Change of Life tents. But messages on Instagram and different social media platforms and emails and calls and just saying, hey, the Lord is doing his work. But just for my heart today, I'd just like to see if, if the Lord has just been moving in your life and you've been growing in this season, would you just slip up your hand and let everybody know what God's doing in there? Look at that. Hold on. Keep them up. This is a, God is doing something. He's, he's, he's causing us to grow and if we'll get in the word. That's what will happen. And so it's been, it's been beautiful to watch this and to come alongside and just to be a, a part of it is really incredible. And I know that we need some guts to stand up and talk about God's goodness. But the truth is, we don't need a whole lot of guts. Um, we just need a little bit. And I know that the Lord has done something in your life because you're here. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. I pray that that's going to change today. I pray that you're going to walk out of this place very different than when you came in. That only happens because of him, his love, his grace, his mercy, his peace, his truth, his hope, his life. And it is for you. He is always for you. And we're going to look... Uh, today at chapter 3, and we're going to get in here, and there's been so much that Simon Peter was writing to the early church, and we can apply it to our life. It's no less applicable today than it was then. Um, in fact, maybe today's passage will have a little bit more like umph because we're farther down the line. Is there anybody here who likes waiting? Anybody just like, I just love waiting? Like, you just get on the, the, the turnpike, and you're just like, man, I just love this traffic. It's just, just thrilled that we are stuck in traffic today. Or maybe you set a doctor's appointment at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. How many of you know you have no chance of seeing that doctor at 2 o'clock? Zero, right? If you see him by 3.30, you've done well. And like, why didn't you call me in at 3.10 then rather than 2? You knew you weren't going to see me, right? And so what I'm trying to say is that, that, that waiting is agonizing. It's agonizing. And the young people will never know what it's like to wait without one of these, right? <laughs> and now it's like they're watching a movie, they're talking to people in a different country, all kinds of stuff to fill your time. And really what that has made it worse is it's actually made us more impatient than we've ever been. And I know nobody here likes to wait, right? But this is precisely what God has called us to do as believers, to wait on him, but not just to wait aimlessly or with nothing going on. There's something that should be happening. There should be an expectation that his, his promises are going to be fulfilled. He is the promise that he is coming back to get his church one day. I believe it's going to be soon, um, and, and it's not for me to worry about, though, as we'll see today. But as we unpack this, we should be expectant that he's coming back soon. We should be busy with gospel activity. Not just activity, dynamic inactivity. You know what dynamic inactivity is? Dynamic inactivity is looking busy but not really being busy. If you just shuffle your papers on your desk all day long, nothing really happens. You can do that. It looks very busy, but you haven't really accomplished anything. We need to be busy doing the Lord's work while we wait for him. So this combination of waiting and watching and expectancy and patience is being balled up into the people of God, or it's not. You get to decide how you live. And so I thought so much about patience this week, and I am not a picture of patience. 
I am not. The Lord is helping me. Uh, I'm getting better than I was. I'm, a, I'm better at just sitting there now than I used to be. I didn't understand. I, I, how many people would just like to be comfortable? When you're young, when you're like 19, you're like, what's your dream car? Well, it's a Lamborghini. Now I'm just like, I just, I just want to be comfortable. I, I, like getting into a car that's too low is not all that awesome now. It's like I rented a car one time in Atlanta. They, actually, they ran out of my car that I rented, a more comfortable car. And I had to get a car, and it was like low. It was like sportier. They're like, it's a sport. And I'm like, yeah, I'll drive. And then I hated it the whole time because I was like uncomfortable, right? And so we we're getting this. But we don't just need to be comfortable. Our, our, our call as children of God is not comfort, right? But we are called to live with expectancy in what God's going to do. And I don't know about you, but I am anticipating the day of his return. I'm excited about it. And I don't know about all of you in this room. My guess is that if I said, how many of you ready right now for the, the roof to rip off this place and Jesus to come back? A bunch of you would be like, hallelujah or hallelujah, right? <laughs> but some of you would be like, even right now, you're like, oh, hell, Mary. You know, you know, I better get it right. Like, I'm terrified. It's like, that ain't going to do it. You need, to, you need to have a, a life of holiness and righteousness. You need to be rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus. And not that you're perfect, right, but that you are progressing towards him, that you are reading your Bible. And, and I know that there's questions here. It's like, how much longer are we going to have to put up with this? How much longer, God, are you going to wait before you come back and get your church? Because I don't know about you. But I've been hearing this for a long time. In fact, I've been hearing it for close to 50 years that he's coming back. We talk about it sometimes. But sometimes I have to encourage myself, right? I was singing a song, this old school, old school song. Is nobody knew it in here. Nobody in, 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 on the stab was like, we shall see the king. Anybody know that? We shall see the king when he comes. He is coming. I'll hail the blessed hour. We shall see the king when he comes. I was like, I'm encouraging myself. As I'm preparing this message, I'm like, I'm going to see the king. Like, I'm going to see him. But, but until then, there's something that happens. And so the early followers of Jesus were close to Jesus, of course, but they also knew the Old Testament. Like the Isaiah, the great prophet of redemption, and as he wrote about the coming of the Lord. And then having this also, the, the extra added value of having walked and talked with Jesus and having him wash your feet and model such perfect behavior for life and servanthood and a perfect balance of grace and truth. Now you have somebody, Simon Peter, is like, oh, I, I understand a little bit about the old prophets, but I also understand that Jesus has touched my life and I can never be the same. And he's writing with this kind of conviction, this kind of call to holiness and righteousness and to right living and expectancy. And I know that some people are like, again, oh, man, just I wonder, like, I wonder when God's going to get his timing right. Don't ever think that God's timing is off. Don't ever think. I, I know at, at times it can be challenging and you feel like you're drowning and, it, and it's tough. But God's timing in your life is perfect. And Simon Peter understood that. And I think he's going to help us understand that today as we unpack this passage. Verse 1, 2 Peter chapter 3. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. Beloved is a great word that we don't use much, right? If I called you beloved, you would probably be weirded out. But it just means I love you. I want God's biggest and best blessings in your life. And those will be and they will happen if you follow Jesus. He goes on to say in both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder, I love the word stir. 
love the word stir. Stir is agitation, right? It's an agitation. Um, you get soup. You need to stir the soup. You need to agitate it, right? Some of you have just been sitting too long in your comfortable Christianity, and you haven't been stirred up in a while. You need to be stirred up the remembrance of your, your call to holiness. But look at this word, and he talks about stirring up your sincere mind. I'd never learned this before this week. The word sincere comes from the Latin two words, sin, ser, right? Sin is the same in Latin as it is in Spanish. Sin means without, right? Ser means wax, like you would polish a car with wax. Same thing in Latin. Sincere means without Wax. Sincerity is an authenticity. You know what wax does? Wax polishes. And we, if you just stop right there, you think it just polishes. But what it actually do is it fills up the little imperfections. So if you use your car, you fill up. And so when you drive down the road, you're like, look, nobody can see my imperfections. Right? I got polished in my little imperfections. So nobody can see. All they see is the shine of my life. And Peter's like, forget about the shine of your life. Be without wax. Let's live a right life. Live a, live a holy life. Live a clean life. You won't have to worry about polishing yourself up when you come to church. This is one of the issues that if you're not careful, you walk into this place and you put on your polished church face, right? How are you? When we, we, we tease all the time, how are you? I'm blessed. Too blessed to be distressed. Blessed by the best. Blessed from heaven. Blessed to be a blessing. We know all the phrasing, right? This is what we do. And then we walk out of here, just the same rut of stuff that we walk into, the same weight, the same garbage that we go into instead of just living without polish and just living the life that we're supposed to. You have problems. I got problems. We all got problems. It's okay to share. Now, don't just share them all over social media. Be careful, but have somebody in your life you can be authentic with, right? And certainly, don't try to polish yourself up for the Lord because he sees everything. But stir up your sincere mind, your unpolished mind by way of reminder. Peter spends a lot of time saying, hey, remember, remember, I want to remind you, stir it up, don't forget, mark yourself, get this in, write it on a wall, put it on your life, do the thing, right? And he's writing these to his friends that we would get this right. And, and, and we look at that, that without wax thing, it's really so easy to, to see this. How many of you can spot that uh, inauthentic stuff in life. It's pretty easy to see. In the old days, when you look at the context of this, they would take pottery on the streets in the context of the passages, and they would, they would put wax on the cover of the jar, but all you had to do was hold it up to the sun, right, S-U-N. But I would say all we have to do is hold it up to the sun, <laughs> right, S-O-N, and let him do, do the work, S-U-N, and then S-O-N, and, and, and you, see the, you see the cracks and the weak places in the pottery, and, and we're, just, we're just vessels. That's what we are. We, are. we do have cracks, but we don't want to be inauthentically covered up. Verse 2 says that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and the Savior through your apostles. Now, as he lays this out, he's saying, hey, you've got the old school prophets. You've got the old guys. You've got Isaiah, Jeremiah, all these wonderful guys, Amos, Obadiah, Malachi, all these things. But you also have the apostles. So he's putting them. He's like, hey, yeah, they wrote this stuff. And the verbal inspiration, like the Holy Spirit filled them and their pen, wrote this out. But we also walked with Jesus and there's an, some importance to this. And now that we had the information and that Peter has written these letters, we have them. We have to ask ourselves this question. As vessels, are we living in the purpose that God has for us? 
or am I living in my purpose? This is a question you have to ask yourself every single day. Am I going to live God's purpose? I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to seek him. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom. You had it all day long. You're telling us that kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Because we're prone to just drip back to serving me. That's, that's, that's the, the weight of the, the sinful nature that I carry. So I'm constantly living in repentance and correction. Just say, hey, God, thank you for dealing with me. Thank you for dealing with me. We're coming back. We're constantly calibrating. And the, one of the best ways to do this is we'll see and continue to see is through the word of God, the washing of the word. But asking yourself this question, am I serving myself or am I serving God? Is this thing that I'm doing serving a purpose for the Lord to advance the kingdom or is it serving to advance my kingdom, and that's not okay. Verse 3 goes on, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last day with scoffing. Well, I would think that scoffers scoff. That's what they do. <laughs> scoffing just means like ridicule or mocking, and we know what the scripture says, that God will not be mocked, right? And yet we're, we're dealing with some of this. What we said last week or the last couple of weeks was false teachers false prophets, many of them set themselves up for their own personal gain, God is going to deal with them. That's going to happen. You don't have to worry about it too much. Some of you are very worried about it, but you don't need to worry about it. Um, God is going to deal with them. But these, these scoffers, this is something that is going to increase. And it's going to increase rapidly. You can feel the, the tension coming against the church. It's coming. It's coming. And I know some of you, you carry the gospel with you inside of your workplace and you try to minister. And some of you have actually been told and you've been written up, said, don't share that stuff in here. And people, it's more and more. That's what's happening. But as it happens there, it's going to come here. And it's gonna, they're going to try to stop you from ministering in your own house. This is what's going to happen when you hear things well, it used to be was like, I don't, I don't follow that, I don't believe that, but you, you do you, right? People would say that back in the day, but now they begin to laugh at you, and, and now the verbiage is changing to say, what you believe in is actually harmful to the world and is hate speech. Little by little, this is how it's changing. And so what was off limits back in the day like, there were people who didn't serve Jesus at all, didn't believe in, didn't believe in going to church, didn't believe in it, but they, would, they wouldn't dare say something like that. But now everything's on the table because scoffers, is what Peter said, is actually coming to pass right now. The scoffing, the mocking, the ridiculing, the laughing, the calling it hate speech, the calling God laughing at him and then calling him all kinds of names that is happening and it's happening increasingly every day, but it says they will follow their own sinful desires. That's why I ask you, are you, you serving God's purpose or your own purpose? These type of people only serve themselves. They only serve themselves. You see it over and over again. And when, when Peter writes those, those words, first of all, he's talking about in the, the importance of this statement, right? He's saying, hey... Pay attention to this. First of all, let me say, these guys are coming. And what we said the past few weeks was the people who are unstable in their walk with Christ are the ones who will be enticed by these people. 
I'm not ashamed, Paul wrote, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, whereby we must be saved. You have to live in an unashamedness. This, this is easy right now. It's very easy right now to live for the Lord. I'm not saying it will always be easy. I don't know. It just is right now. These guys follow their own sinful desire. They aren't there. They're concerned about what you think about them. They're not concerned what God thinks about them. They do not care. It says in verse 4 that they will say, where is the promise of his coming? It's a tough question. Tough question. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Where's his promise? He said he was coming back. Peter wrote with such expectancy. And as the, the false teachers, the false prophets, these guys who attacked the lordship of Jesus and then said, hey, we're going we're gonna to work our own gain in this thing. This is what he's dealing with, but we're still dealing with it. But the problem is we don't understand time well. We don't understand time well. And God's promises, as we did that series a few years ago, are yes and amen. That's our God's premises. But now we, we have this, these, these questions that are coming more and more because our attention spans are shot. Again, we don't want to wait. I, I don't want to wait, like, hardly at all. You have Amazon Prime. Remember when Amazon Prime came out and your mind was blown? Like, blah. Like, oh, so I can order this package and Wow, 100 bucks a year, and they're just going to deliver my package like the next day. And all of a sudden, it got slower and slower and slower. And by slow, I mean it takes like two days to get there. And you're like, I want my money back. <laughs> I don't want to wait. wait two days? That's incredible that we would have this kind of access. But it's really a lustful society. Lust meaning I want it now. Not only sexual stuff, but I want it now. And so our what I'm calling our diminishing attention span. Diminishing attention spans means I can't hardly pay attention at all because I want what I want. I want it now. Right now. And we're, we're struggling with that. And so as these guys who are mockers look at this, they say since nothing has happened in all this time. All of what time? That's my question. First of all, there's two, there's two problems with all of what time? Well, I don't like it. So what? You're 25. And second of all, there's a lot that's been happening. A lot. The problem with people who are consumed with themselves is that's all they can see. That's why I was telling you at the beginning. I stopped saying, how many? I wanted you to look around. I wanted you to look at the hands that went up and said, hey, how many of you? The Lord has touched your life. And a bunch, hundreds of hands went up right now. God's moving in my life. So you can't tell me nothing's not going on. You can't tell me. Plus, I'm living it. I'm experiencing the touch of God every single day in my life. So if you're going to say, nothing's happened, where's your God? He's right here. He's right here. I don't know if you're experiencing You might have a problem. But I just want to say, open your eyes. Open your eyes to the fact that you're breathing. And, and, and we pushed back a little bit on this idea that we're struggling so bad here in America and the economy is really bad and it's, and it's wild and it's like, oh, the gas prices and who knows what's going to happen. Well, God knows what's going to happen. I certainly don't. And honestly, the, the longer I go, the less I care about it. 
I came in here, I'm going to pick on the staff just a little bit. I came in here on Monday, and how many of you like organ meat? Anybody like organ meat? Chicken, gizzards, hearts? A few of you. Okay, there's my people. There's my people. Come on, where you at? <laughs> I got, that's, that's gross. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. When the whole world collapses, I'm going to be feasting. <laughs> you guys will be like, I don't eat that. Well, you just go over there and chew on some hay then. I don't know what to tell you. I'm over here indulging. Because I, I can't help it. I like it. My mama's from Dublin, Virginia. So we ate fried chicken liver, fried gizzards, fried hearts. We ate necks. We, got, we ate it all. Nothing is wasted. Coupled with the fact that my wife is Chinese, we don't waste anything. <laughs> Love you, babe. But long before I was married to her, I was my mom's son. And we ate everything. My grandma wasted nothing. These are people who grew up in the Great Depression, right? And so we look at this, and I, like I expect, right, that things are going to get more difficult in the world. But I ain't worried about it because God knows. And listen to this. His timing is perfect. I already told you that. His timing is perfect. But God's patience is for a purpose. His delay is for a purpose. Not that he's... By the way, nobody ate a chicken gizzard except me and my wife. <laughs> They're like, no. <laughs> and I ate them all day long. They were amazing. But listen to verse 5. It says, for they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was loosed in the water and perished. Listen, go back to 1 Peter real quick. I got to read this because he, he, he talks about Noah's, right? Uh, Noah's experience. Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. God's patience waited while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. You see, God's patience was activated then. It's activated now in this. Now keep going. Verse 7, he says, by the same word, the heavens and the earth now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So he's talking about water. Water, water was there at creation. It was there when he judged the world. It, it flooded the world, saved the eight people, including Noah and his family. And then and that now he's not talking about water. Now he's talking about fire. And you talk about the day of the Lord and you talk about fire and the return of Christ. People start getting a little bit shaky. Because they're not sure where they stand. So I asked you earlier, I mean, you're ready for Jesus to come back right now. Oh, but I really wanted to go to Mario's this afternoon. And Mario's ain't got nothing on, the, on being raptured into the kingdom of God. I'll tell you that much. It's, just, it's, it's, it's nothing wor worth that to hang on to this. But this destruction and fire is scary, right? Fire is scary. I mean, the, the dangers of heat energy are remarkable. But fire can also refine and purify. Look at eight. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the, the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So he's talking about the, the followers, and he's talking to us, the, the beloved, right? The ones who Jesus loves and the one who loved Jesus. And He's like, don't let this, don't let this es escape you because if you start waiting, 
if I would lean into the fact that my grandpa told me when I was a kid, Jesus, he's, Jesus is coming back, Richard. He's coming back. Yes, grandpa, I know, I know, I know, right? My dad said, Jesus is coming back. He's still saying it, right? Jesus is coming back. Now I'm saying, Jesus is coming back. Now my daughter's saying, if you're not careful, you can slide in and be like, wait a second. Is he coming back? Now listen to people, and you're watching people in our world do something called deconstruct because they're trying to wrap their minds around this when they can't. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Why? Because if you start trying to understand it, you start trying to understand time, you can't do it. The problem with time is that it's relative to our lifespan. Right? I mean, the, the only thing you can understand about time is that an hour is an hour, and that I work between 8 and 10 hours, and then I get off, and the weekend goes really fast, and then as you get older, it seems to go quicker and quicker, and then you lay down, and you're done. That's, that's my best understanding of time. You think God's limited to your understanding of time? We can't even fathom this. He's not, he's not limited even by our perceptions of time or what we think about it or what we think about it. He's outside of time. Outside of it. Like past, present, future. He holds it all before ever thought it. We can't even get this right. So as, as Peter's trying to help us understand that, he, he, he looks at these, these explanations. One, that God counts time differently than man does. Right? Talking about a thousand years just being like a day. We don't understand that. Um, but we, we look at this, but then also Peter talks about a stabilizer, something that will help us and, and ground us. And we look at this, and it says that there's a reason that the Lord delays for what we think is a delay, but his timing is perfect. There's a reason, because we just read it, patience. But he's not patient for nothing. He's patient for something. Verse 9 says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. Like, why? Like, what's, the, what's going on, God? Like, I, I've been praying about this for like a whole 30 minutes. And I'm, my prayer's not answered. So I quit praying. I guess that's not for me. Well, what, what kind of grit is that? What kind of... What kind of commitment is that to just being with the Lord and not only just showing up to ask him about your Christmas list? The Lord is not slow to fulfill, not your promise or your ideas or your ideology. He's not slow to fulfill his promise. As some count slowness, but he's patient towards you. Thank God. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Oh, what I thought was slow was actually God waiting for you. And, and I said that right. He's waiting for you. And we would turn. There's no, there's no like pressure. Like you, you need to, you need to do your thing, and then, and then, then you could come. No, he's just waiting for you to turn. Some of you are in this room right now, 
whole, you lived your whole life this way, that thing. And here's the thing, like, all of that is that right now. But this moment is this moment. God, God knew from all of eternity who would be in this room today. And he knew who in this room would go like this today, spiritually. I'm on my way. I'm on my I'm seeking my, I got my purpose. It's my kingdom. I'm doing my thing. If I can get, and then he's, oh, whoa, whoa. Like, I can't do it anymore. And he knew that you would do this today, spiritually. And go towards him. It's the most remarkable thing. So if we start seeing the patience of God like this, changes everything. Some of you were delayed this week by somebody else. Maybe you were in that doctor's office getting your tire changed. I don't want to add a nail in my tire. But you sat over at the tire store and all of a sudden something happened and you entered into a conversation that somehow came back to Jesus with somebody else. Some of you missed that opportunity. <laughs> Some of you got that opportunity right. Anybody have that chance this week? You had a con ended up just a, a random conversation with somebody about Jesus. Anybody? Let me see your hands. Come on, raise your hand if you see that. That's what happens. It's like, oh, I, like I don't, I don't want to deal with this thing. I don't want to deal with this thing. And God said, if you will see my delay. <laughs> as purposed so that that person has the opportunity to turn back to me, oh, that changes everything. Changes everything. Huh. The major, major attribute of God is his patience. It's not one of mine. <laughs> it's one of his. But I think in this season, he's, he's speaking into this. And as we get this inside of us and we learn, and I was just, I was talking to my friend Jordan about this this morning, as I've unpacked this this week, and we had a great conversation the other day, and it was just like, ah, and I was, I was telling Jordan, and it's like, you, you think that, that thing, like you missed out because somebody else had control of something, but it wasn't that. You have to see it as God ultimately being sovereign over it and keeping you from something that may have been harmful for you. Now, when you're in it, it's super hard to do that. That's the truth. But either we believe him and that he has our best interests in mind or we don't. That's the bottom line. So as we move into him in this next season, understanding that, hey, everything that I think should happen doesn't always happen. Let me tell you something. When God says something, it's going to happen. And he told us that he's coming back. And I believe that with everything that's inside of me. And so until that time, I'm going to be busy. Verse 10 says this real quick. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And when the, then the, the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. The thief part gets scary. For those of you who are ready... That's scary. Start thinking like, oh, there's a, there's a thief coming? No, he's like a thief. When you're ready, you don't have to worry about anything. I grew up 
for so many years as a kid just terrified that God was coming back and that I was going to go to hell. I didn't do anything. I was a kid. <laughs> but that's what I thought. It's like every time I did something, I'm like, ah, God's going to come right now, right in the middle of this. I just said a bad word. God's coming right now for sure. Got to repent. And yes, but no, at the same time, it's like live the life that you're supposed to live, right? When God comes for something, it's just going to be the, that's it. But let me tell you something. For others, it will be catastrophic. Eternal damnation for those who have put it off. Put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off, and it shows up. Like, well, I'm, not, I'm not ready. It's over. It doesn't have to be scary if you're ready, right? Don't be paralyzed by fear. Just be ready. Just be ready. Stand with me real quick. I want to read the last two verses. I'm actually going to pick these up again next week, but I just want to get in vain with you. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. <sighs> There's a lot of things that are going to be destroyed on that day. What won't be destroyed is the holiness and the godliness. We'll just move into an eternal continuation of that. A perfecting of the saints. We don't know what we'll be like on that day. It just says we'll be like him. That's all I know. That's all I know. It's just going to be like, be like him. When you, when you die and you go, it's just going to be like him and it's going to be great and you don't have to worry and fight the fight. You're like, oh, it's just an ordinary life down here. Let me, let me tell you something. I want to end with this today. There is no ordinary discipleship. There's no ordinary di discipleship. Because you're special. You can't be ordinary and special at the same time. You have a unique DNA. You've got a unique set of, of fingerprints. And you've got a unique calling. And a unique purpose that the Lord is going to use you. One theologian said this. He said, there are two things that characterize Christ followers who live in the light of Jesus' return. One is anticipation, and the other is holy activity. Be patient, right? Wait, look forward, man. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That kind of anticipation. Yet the other one is, I'm going to be busy. If i got a flat tire, I'm preaching to somebody at the at tire kingdom. <laughs> Right? I got a toothache. Somebody at the dentist, you know they need prayer. They're, they're at the dentist. That's the scariest place on earth for me. <laughs> right? It's like this is a thing. Like this. Holy activity. Not just activity, holy activity. Would you bow your heads with me today?
forever for some of you. I believe that. Some of you don't even know how you got in this room. You're like, what happened? What happened was God was patient with you. He's so good that he allowed somebody to invite you or allowed you to get some kind of revelation that you needed to be in this room today. I am hyper aware that I bring nothing to the table, but God's word is so good. And he is so good. And some of you are experiencing that goodness right now. And it is that goodness of God that will cause you to pivot in your life and go towards him. Nobody's looking around, but I want to tell you something. You're no accident. This moment is not an accident. standing here today, again, nobody's looking around. You're saying, I must commit to the Lord today. I've given him my life. I've got to give him my life today. I don't want to wait. I don't want to live in fear anymore. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for the Lord. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand today? Come on, keep them up. We're not ashamed. There's a bunch of you. Thank you, Jesus. Come put them down. We're going to pray this prayer as a whole church today, even if you've prayed it a bunch of times. Say, Father, I need you. Say it again. Father, I need you. Thank you for being so good to me. I am sorry for my sin, and I repent today from that sin. And I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now run my life. Father, thank you for the work that you've done here today. God, it's just beginning. I pray that we would understand that, that this is not a, a moment of just conversion, but it is the beginning of a discipleship process that is necessary. a tremendous work, Lord. We're humbled that you just love us like this. You never leave us like you found us. I pray that you would give our church a, a holy desire to study your word, to get it inside of us, to live holy lives, righteous lives for your name's sake. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Can we put our hands together, church, for the word of God? Let me tell you a couple things real quick. Um, one, be patient with each other when you leave. And then uh, two, I can't wait to see you guys next week. There's a few chairs. If some of you wanted to slide over to 9 o'clock, it would help us create a little bit more space in here. I understand it's 9 o'clock. I understand. Um, I'm here too, so you won't be alone. And uh, we, we have a great time at 9 o'clock. And it's great. But thank you guys for being here. If it's your first time here, if you prayed that prayer today, if you said, I want to commit to Jesus, I want to become a disciple, I would love to walk that path with you.
fill out a connection card. Let us know. Say, hey, I prayed the prayer today. I need a Bible. I need to start the discipleship thing. We want to walk with you. We're not perfect. We just love Jesus, and we want to help you understand how to do that well. Let's pray our benediction together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Love you guys. Merry Christmas.